It is a privilege to welcome Yochanan Dunn to the VIN News Podcast to discuss the upcoming election. Yochanan is a renowned journalist. He's editor at Mishpacha and Yated and spent 12 years as editor at Hamadiyah. Yochanan, welcome. Yes, Yaakov, it's a pleasure being with you. Yeah, and it's a real pleasure. We are looking forward. And let's begin with the governor's race, which obviously is in the spotlight. With rampant anti-Semitism, with the equivalency restrictions against yeshivas, I feel as though the from community right now is like almost at the center of this statewide race. Can you recall a similar scenario where like the from community, you know, could potentially be so impacted by the whoever is elected governor? Well, maybe in the Pataki years, we were in the center. We were the kingmakers over there because he was a Republican and he had to, he needed as many votes as possible in order to overcome the natural Democratic majority. But since then, I don't recall that that Jews really made a difference in the governor's race. Obviously, in the mayor's race, uh, you know, there have been times that, uh, you know, we were the we were the ones who decided the election. But the governor's race, no, this is our turn. And this is our turn. Yeah. So that's what I really wanted to know. Do you think? I mean, it's neck and neck. So could the difference literally be the from community, the Haredi community, forty, fifty, sixty thousand votes? Okay, so first of all, you say neck and neck. Um, there, there has been this since a Republican has a chance for the first time in a long time. People have been describing it as neck and neck, but it's not really. In other words, there was one poll that showed him four points behind, but the other polls, you know, uh, have, you know, the other polls really showed him, you know, double digits, 10, 11 points behind. So you're saying neck and neck. It's not, it's not as much, you know, that they're pulling even as much as the fact that if, uh, the Zeldin coalition will come out and vote, then that gives them the chance to vote. I've long said, you know, if the Jewish community would vote, not 100%, even 50%, we wouldn't be kingmakers. We, we would be the deciding vote in all elections. You know, it's just, wow. uh, it's just that nobody votes and uh, we don't vote just like everybody else. Right. But now there's a lot of interest in the race. So I assume that uh, just like other communities across the state, the Orthodox community would also be voting at a higher level than normal for a midterm, for a governor, gubernatorial election. You're right. Now it is all the buzz. I mean, you walk into shul, I'm sure you have the same experience. People who, you know, are usually not that into politics, suddenly everybody's a political expert and everybody's talking about, you know, the debate and uh, Zeldin and Hochul. And, uh, you know, that that is literally the buzz. And it's like, hey, listen. Those of us like you and I who are into politics all year round, even when it's even when it's not this exciting, it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, uh, where'd you get your expertise? But I'm curious, you know, I know you have your finger on the pulse. Um, what do you think the percentages will look like? Because there is a, certainly an element in the from community that supports Governor Hochul. Um, how do you think? Do you have any idea of how that's going to break down? Uh, it's hard to know, you know, it's simply because of the fact that polls are, you know, Notoriously hard to predict when they're going to be right and when they're going to be off. Uh, you know, some the, the last election cycle uh, last year they were pretty on on target, but obviously the one before 2020, uh, 2016, obviously famously so. Even 2018 were pretty far off. They were off by double digits. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to know when the polls will be right and when they'll be wrong. I assume I can just tell you that based on previous experience. If the polls are off, it will be in the Republicans' favor. So, in right. other words, if Zeldin, if the polls will be off, it will be Zeldin who will be gaining from it. Right. No, right. No, the uh, polls it, tend it, to slant left. Yeah, yeah. That's not 
not as much that the pollsters are more leftist. It's because Republicans, you know, the, the pollsters say that Republicans, you know, based who they are, are just harder to reach. They're more suspicious of pollsters, those things. They're more, less likely to pick up the phone. So, uh, so that's why, that's why polls tend to have a leftward tilt. Yeah. I, which I do believe. I do believe, like you're saying, number one, they're harder to reach. They make themselves harder to reach. They, and, and, and they're more, yeah. I guess, suspicious. And I think some of them are also afraid, even though it's like you're speaking to a pollster, you're mostly anonymous. It's not like anybody's going to track you, but I think they're, they're, they're slightly paranoid that, you know, uh, people are, uh, not going to be happy with them if they, if they announce they're Republican voters. Yeah. Yeah. People just, you know, they, they have this natural suspicion that pollsters will just, uh, you know, you know, give the other side, give Democrats the, the, the edge and that's it, regardless of what people respond. I can just say that if anybody develops a mathematical formula, they'll be able to, you know, to, to upright the, the, the left with tilt and the impulsors, impose, uh, results, then you're probably a likely candidate for a noble. Right. <laughs> now, I am curious about, and we were, we are going to get to the congressional districts as well, and maybe some of the local, uh, races, but we're hearing about, Hasidish Rebbe's, for example, who are playing the role of power broker, and that's really not not new. Um, we remember when Hillary visited New Square, I believe when she was running for Senate, you know, many years ago. But now there are reports yeah, that uh, that was back in two thousand, right? But but President Biden, it seems, called more than one Rebbe. How unusual is it for the president of the United States to call a Rebbe? And and it sounds like he was actually ta- discussing the the congressional district, which we're going to get to uh, in uh, in Rockland County. And does that show that maybe Biden is very concerned? Well, I'm saying we're looking at at, at them as the abyss. You know, we're talking about the square of vision server. But, you know, from, from, you know, the Maloney campaign, you know, from the White House, they're looking at it as uh, there's, there's somebody, there's a, there's a, a, a congressman who they're close to who's in trouble. And it could be a, a very bad omen for the party if he loses. So, They'll call a local power broker. You know, we're looking at the member, but they're looking at it just as a local power broker who has a, the ability to move a few thousand votes, and they do this regularly. The, the White House uh, always gets involved on this level when it comes to uh, when, when it comes to Congress congressional races. So it's not that uh, unusual. Interesting. Not okay. And and do you think that may have? A big impact. And I know that the Rebbe's are sort of asking the politicians, you know, well, what about, you know, as they call it, the Xeris HaChinuch? Um, how do you think all that's going to, going to play out? Well, it's hard to know what the, when you talk about the Xeris HaChinuch, it's hard to know, uh, you know, who has the ability to, to over, to out, you know, to outweigh the, what's it called again? The, the Board of Ed, the Board of Regents, the, the Education Commission. Commissioner over here in New York State, who is independent of all authority, even the governor, you know, technically cannot, uh, you know, override, cannot, cannot override her, uh, Betty Rosa. Um, even though what, what people are saying is that, you know, somebody, when a governor is powerful enough that they want something done, they're able to get it done. Um, for example, Cuomo was seen as somebody who had the heft to be able to get, get his way around Albany. Forget about around, around Albany, around every single uh, the sixty-two counties across the state. Any <laughs> clerk who crossed me, you know, could expect an angry phone call. Uh, <laughs> so he, if he wanted, he wanted to get his way with the board of regents. Uh, the thinking was that he would be able to do it. 
uh, with Hoko, even if she doesn't want to, or she just doesn't have the power, she's not Cuomo. Um, I know that she did have uh, a power struggle with the Board of Regents this past budget session over a different, a totally separate thing is about school, the school lunch program. She wanted to take it out of the Board of Regents authority and put it in the, under her own authority. And uh, she had that power struggle and she lost. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard. It, she's probably thinking she doesn't have the power to do it. So I, I don't know anybody, even the president of the United States, who able to, is able to call Betty Rose and say, knock it off. Right. You know, let the yeshivas. Uh, so if this did bring it up, with the president, in other words, he's saying that uh, that you're asking my my support with him because you know you look throughout the generations. Shtadlonim today they're called askanim. Traditional were very transactional. Uh, you want us to support you, so you know you grease my hand, I'll grease your hand. And this is the way it was. This is the way it was in the undemocratic countries. You know, there was a, the local pirates or the local king or whatever, and uh, this is the way it was. Uh, so it wouldn't be that unusual if he would, if he felt that the president would have an ability to be able to, you know, to affect this and to say, listen, uh, we're willing, this is the most important issue on, on the table for us right now, uh, this Xeris HaChinuch. And, uh, if you can help us with this, then we'll be glad to help you with anything you want. Right, which is certainly understandable. You know, there's the ideological side of politics, which is if you're on the conservative side or the, the liberal side, you know, you, you believe in that right, side. Yeah, and, the, and then there's the practical that you're kind of alluding to. And yeah. the anybody, any anybody who knows, uh, uh, you know, New York, uh, the, the, the way the way that politics has always been done over here, knows that the Scaveria, uh case, Yale, Visionist, Zebes, they've never been tied down to a specific. Uh, political ideology, conservative, liberal, they, they, they vote for whoever, in other words, if right now, like we need like a, uh, uh, we need a wastewater plant or something like that, yeah, for the village, and it's gonna cost us a, a certain amount of money, and we need someone to pay for it. So if you pay for it, you'll get our votes. Next, uh, next election, we'll worry about it then. This is the way, you know, it, it, it they didn't really, they, in a way, they're walled off from the outer world, so they didn't really, you know, uh, Right. They, they didn't really look at, you know, uh, you know, in, in a way, the whole crime thing doesn't really affect them. You know, they, these places are, are are crime free. There's no, you know, they're all safe and everything. They they just look at their own, you know, provincial needs and they and they vote based on that, right. which is how any community should be. Every community should focus on what do we need and how do we get that. Even though that's yeah, how I, that's what elections should be done. Uh, yeah, I confess, as somebody, you know, who I'm. Pretty conservative, and I discussed the ideology. You know, it can frustrate me at times. I completely understand what you're saying. I do want to respond. The point you made about so how I, I, I just yeah. want to I just want to add one Please. clarification. I am not I'm not attacking or defending their this this thing. I'm just saying this is the way they are. Complete. This is the way this is the way Kaiso uh, has always been, and even now, even though we're in a democracy and there's so many other issues on the thing on the table, but this is the way they have traditionally done. Yeah, yeah, and I think that came out, came through very loud and clear, and I appreciate that clarification as well. Just to respond to your point about Hochul saying, and Hochul technically not having power and and influence over the Board of Regents, and I get it, uh, technically speaking. It is convenient for her. You know, they talk about firing Alvin Bragg, and she says, well, if you look at the law, it's not so simple. You need good basis. It's convenient for her to, like, not have any influence over things, you know, that really matter and that are controversial. And she can't please, you know, one side is going to 
be very, very disappointed in her uh, when it comes to the, you know, the, the restrictions on the yeshivas. So, uh, you know, that, that she is kind of be, being able to dodge her way out of it. For example, Bill de Blasio, and I'm no fan of Bill de Blasio. He did figure out a way to stall the investigation into yeshivas for years. And that was even before they had, you know, before they had these restrictions. He, he had a way to, you know, push it off and, you know, do what he felt was the right thing to do for the community. So I, I, I suspect if you get creative and you want to do it, you can do a lot more than when you're trying to, you know, specifically get out of it. Exactly. You know, you, you want to make that point. You can make the point all the way also. Uh, you know, Hochul has very little to lose by defending Alvin Bragg. And uh, and Lee Zeldin has very little to lose by attacking him. And <laughs> okay. by saying that, number, right. day number one, I'll, I'll fire him. That is true. Uh, all right. Now, let's talk about some of the congressional races. And I guess we'll start with what could be a very big one here, uh, District 17. Before, before yeah. we get into congressional, oh, yeah, I just want to just wonder about the governor's race. It, it's just – I just find it amazing. The only time I've seen such buzz about a race – is by Trump 2020. People, you know, like I said before, there's a buzz around around it. People are really worked up about Lee Zeldin right now. I imagine that it will be somewhere in the same uh, landslide that Trump got, which what he got in the Hamish areas uh, between 75 and 80 percent of the vote, and I assume that Lee Zeldin will get the same. It's just, uh, it's it just, you know, wow. I, it, I have my theories about why it's like this. Um, I think number one, people are still upset at Cuomo, the way he basically threw our community under the bus, you know, with the red zones and, uh, and, and they're just letting it out at, at Hochul now. She's seen as his replacement. You know, even though she did, uh, condemn Cuomo and did and different things, but she hasn't like really distanced herself that much. And people are still upset about that. And also they feel that the whole progressive era has bypassed the community. In other words, we're talking about, we're talking about, especially by COVID, you know, making sure the African American neighborhoods are getting, you know, are, are getting their, the, the vaccines and African American neighborhoods are, are there, you know, there was a certain like, uh, you know, understanding about why they're not, uh, why COVID numbers are higher over there. And the other hand, we're getting, uh, you know, even though we were hit pretty badly, in March, April, May of 2020, but there's no understanding for us. And uh, people feel that the whole understanding is basically bypassing our community. And now, and now, in, and now it's turning before it's vaccines, and now it's with crime. Uh, we have to be understanding of criminals and you know, understanding of. Uh, of, of people who use marijuana and they basically legalize marijuana. They legalize, uh, you know, a drug which is known to be harmful just because it affects a certain racial community. And, uh, and the community feels, you know, like a week, we're, we're getting less safe by the day and it's all just, a, you know, it, it's not for our good. It's for a different communities good. Very That's number one. That why I think why I think uh, the community is so worked up about it, and obviously also uh, you know the community is suffering now, just like everybody else, with inflation and uh, and the economy is is not that great. And the, uh, even the economy might be you know you could point to specific numbers say that is great. There's just this feeling of apprehension. There's a lot of concern about what's going to happen. And people feel like you know this is a party. It's sort of like kick the bums out attitude. Those are my three theories for why why the community is in such um, 
how do you say it? It's so animated about Lee Zeldin right now. Very fascinating. And look, as you say, whatever economic metrics you show me, when you go to the grocery store and can't come out without spending $350 easily to feed, you know, the relative whatever size family. I mean, when you fill up your car with gas and, uh, you know, car insurance and all these other things are suddenly skyrocketing. Uh, you feel it. I mean, you feel the pain. There's no question about that. I would add, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, I think even though he's controversial and it's hard to know the percentages, I think there is a sentiment of the Trump community that still very strongly supports Trump and associates Zeldin with Trump. Yes, definitely. Moving on. I'm curious which races you want to focus on. I was going to mention Congressional District 17. Uh, Mike Lawler, Sean Patrick Maloney, yeah. as you alluded to earlier, Maloney, this is not just any old local congressional race because Maloney is a longtime, you know, leader in the Democrat party. This would be a humiliating upset. And you talk about the from community. I mean, this is Muncie. This is Rockland County. So, uh, this could yeah. be a big embarrassment. And I think this is going to get a lot of national attention here in the coming weeks. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely will get a lot of national attention uh, if he loses. Uh, you know, the last time, you know, there's this, this unspoken rule that parties don't go after the leader of the other party, and uh, Sean Patrick Maloney is the head of the, you know, the House, the, Dem- the House Democratic, uh, you know, congressional committee. In other words, he is in charge of making sure that all 200, whatever, 219 Democrats in the House get reelected. Actually, all 435 races end up with a Democrat on top. And the fact that he's, you know, begging for himself, it's sort of like, uh, I, I saw an article today in Political that it's like, uh, it's like a, con- a conflict of interests because, you know, he's supposed to be the one who is invincible and he's, that's why he's helping others. Right. And the fact that he needs to help himself is sort of like, so you're taking yeah. away money. For, that's supposed to go to other people, to other uh, candidates that you're taking for yourself. But there is a very interesting uh, community dynamic over here, which I think I, I think you, you would want to focus on. Uh, Sean Patrick Maloney is has has since he came into office, he uh, what is it? Uh, two, uh, two cycles ago, three cycles ago, I don't remember. He has developed a very nice relationship with the communities, with the Hamish communities that he serves, which is Satme Kesyoil, which is, uh, uh, um, I don't think Skiver was in his district. Anyways, and he, he kept on getting their votes. Now, Kesyoil was taken away from him, and, and Satma, and, I'm sorry, and Skiver, and Vision, it's a Vision Tequila in, in, in Muncie, in Kesa, they, they were given to him. So he has like a, he has like the same from Jewish community, but new faces. And, uh, so, so he has to sort of like relitigate his cases, his, his case to them, but why they should, should elect them. On the other hand, you have Mike Lawler. Mike Lawler was elected two years ago to the state assembly, state, uh, state, uh, uh yeah, Senate. Uh, And he defeated Jen Metzger. Jen Metzger was a Democrat. She was a, she was a long time Democratic in America. And she, she worked very nicely with Askanem and, you know, on the, on the things that they needed. And, but there was just like an anti-democratic, uh, uh, you know, a fever in the air at the time. And you had uh, a lot of Hamish Eaton got together and they said, that's it. We have a chance to elect a Republican over here and we're going to do it. And they did it. So he basically was put into office. By Hamish people. 
So over here, you have on one hand, you have uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, that he's he he has to make a case now to a community that he hasn't represented in the past, and fighting against him is Mike Lawler, who was basically put into office by these very people. So will they will they automatically support support Lawler? It's uh, that all depends, you know. Like I said, like this phone call from Biden, I assume, uh, and I can't tell you for sure. I don't know how it's going to be, even though Scavera tends to vote with a landslide. In other words, there's no sixty forty over there; it's ninety eight <laughs> to two, uh, either way, red or blue. So we'll know that day, the day after election day. But uh, but it's hard to know how how it will work out. But uh, but this thing that's why this this call from President Biden will make a huge difference, and uh, you never know they might they might decide to support him then. I'm really um, curious. On the other it's hand, fascinating. Yeah, on the uh, on the other hand, uh, Maloney does have a very a very large uh, uh, base of support in the in the re- in the district without you know independent of the Jewish vote. So it's just uh, I'm just curious to see also will he turn his base out? Will his base support him? Uh, if they do come out, will they support them or, 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 or they also, you know, fed up with the economy or crime or whatever else there is and, uh, and support the Republican? I, I don't know. It's, it's a curiosity that we're all, we're all looking forward to election day to see how the way it plays out. Oh yeah. It's like, a, you know, a, a, a very high level sporting event almost in terms of the, you know, putting aside yeah. all the repercussions, but you know, there is that aspect of it, the suspense, the build up and the media plays into that. I mean, part, I think, and it gets to a broader conversation also, which is, you know, is the red wave coming, which it clearly is nationally, you know, e- even like the, the most left leaning pollsters right now are predicting, you know, some kind of red wave where the, you know, Republicans take the House and a lot of people think the Senate. How much will that really impact, you know, the state of New York? You know, some, some people believe that, you know, even on, on a very local level, there's just a lot more excitement and buzz among Republican voters and Democrats are just not, just not that enthusiastic. Yeah. So I can tell you, wonder how it's going to affect New York. Um, the fact that uh, the fact that Hochul hasn't put Zeldin away off the bat, that itself means that it will affect New York. If the governor is, uh, you know, is, is sixty to forty uh, ahead of ahead of the Republican, then that means that she carries. Uh, she probably carries, you know, all swing state. All I'm sorry, all swing yes. districts. Right. Swing congressional districts in the state along with her. Uh, if it gets close as 55 to 45, she probably loses a couple, wins a couple. If it's as close as the polls are saying that it's within single district, uh, di- uh digits, and, uh, you know, and, and Zeldin actually has a chance at winning it, I imagine that the swing districts, the real swing districts will go for the Republican. I'm talking about the swing congressional districts in the state. Right, right, right. Great. Go for the Republicans. So that's why Great you point. have to look at the the gubernatorial uh, polling numbers with an eye also on how it affects the the House races in right. the state. All right. And we've covered a lot of interesting topics, and uh, I kept you longer so far than I told you it would take. Uh, any other specific races on your mind? I mean, we've got Congressional 12, which is Nadler, Congressional 10, which is Dan Goldman. Those are obviously, you know, encompass a lot of uh, from and Haredi areas, Hasidish communities. So any other final thoughts? Um, the, well, the, the, another interesting race is the Max Rose, uh, Nicole oh, yeah, Malitakis in, sure. in, in Staten Island. Yeah. No, it's just, uh, you know, Malitakis is, is very much ahead. I don't think Max Rose has a chance, uh, this time around at least. Um, 
But uh, but if he if he does relatively well based on polling right now, then I guess he uh, he has a chance when when the when the uh, the atmosphere is not so anti-democrat the way it is right now. Maybe in two years from now, right? Or maybe in four years from now, whatever it is, he's keeping his powder dry. That's why that's my feeling is why he's running right now. That's interesting. Well, setting up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he originally did announce. When uh, and by the way, this is uh, this is the story of the 2020, 2022 election in New York is that bungled Democratic attempt to to uh, to basically uh, bulldoze over the redistricting commission. Oh, they right. they basically that is a story. They 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 made a, they they you know. They said that they rejected the maps that the redistricting commission, the independent redistricting commission, which was appointed by the governor to be, and 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 the assembly and the senate all got together and they, and they, wait, I'm forgetting over here. This was uh, approved by a referendum of voters. Uh, when was it? In 2014 or 2016? To have, uh, or maybe 2017, something like that, to make an uh, independent redistricting commission that's not beholden to any political party, and they proposed maps, and those maps were uh, were voted down by the de- by the by the assembly. Right, Demo- so, the Democrat majority went, Yeah, yeah, and then they went and they made their own maps, and because they overreached, they overreached so much that it was struck down by the. Democratic appointed judges of the state Supreme Court, state court of appeals, which is the highest court in the state. So it was struck down and Amazing. the court said that there's no time, there's no time to make your own maps again. And we're going to, uh, we're going to just nominate somebody and whatever maps he does, it, it becomes the maps. And he, he, he basically undid decades of, uh, of, uh, gerrymandering and he just, uh, it, it was a, was a map that closely reflects the the state and the demographics the way it is today. And that's why you have uh, so many swing districts in the state. Mind-boggling. I mean, uh, that's actually great. And that that also, this is getting back to Staten Island. So they added a few really heavy Democratic uh, uh, districts to Staten Island, Bay Ridge, even Park Slope, so much. Even Bill de Blasio, you don't get more leftists than him. He (laughs) almost jumped into the race. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, uh, but for somehow she decided to stay in Maliotakis, and sure enough, and the new maps came out, which were pretty favorable to her, and this is hers to lose. Yeah, and, uh, because of that, right, Nadler beat, um, Maloney, uh, and there, there right, were all sorts was, of crazy, yeah. and, it, it, and come on, I don't care Carol what side Maloney, anybody's on. Right. Car- yeah, Carolyn Maloney, right, not, not the other Maloney, not to be confused with Sean Patrick, yeah. but, uh, the, it, it, this is just, Dirty politics at its worst. Look, New York is notorious, probably second to Chicago for you know, these kinds of shenanigans. But like, it's just, it's, it's egregious. Yep. That, that is, <laughs> uh, that, that, that's how we're holding where we are. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. You, you know, that, that can't be forgotten. It's a great point you make that that has created just so much turmoil here for these supposedly safe Democrats in, you know, good old fashioned blue state New York. Yeah. All right. So we will leave it for there. Any, any, yeah. of, any of your listeners who are still listening, whether you're hoping for a red wave <laughs> or a blue wave, whatever it is, it's only a wave if you vote. You don't vote, there's no wave. Yeah. I appreciate you pointing that out. Yes. Yeah. Go out and vote. If there was ever a time where your one vote could literally impact an election. I mean, we saw it in New Jersey last year and, and it's the same type of thing now. 
Yep. All right, Jochen and Dunn, this has been fascinating. You're like an encyclopedia. You know, until I spoke with you, I, obviously I've read a lot of, you know, your stuff, your material, your content, but like it, it's really amazing how you break everything down and, you know, your your knowledge and wisdom. So I, I can't wait to do this again. Maybe maybe we do like a post-mortem uh, after the election, Amir Tashem, because uh, this was really, really enjoyable and fascinating. Yeah, it's uh, it's my pleasure. If I could be of help. You know, I watched, uh, I watched the, what's it, you know, they the had the World Series just now. And you watch the fans go crazy okay. over this team and that team. And, you know, for me, politics has always been my sports. So. Uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> All right. Yochan and Dunn, renowned journalist, editor at Mishpacha, Yated, uh, longtime editor, Hamadi. Anything else I'm missing? No, you got it all. <laughs> I'm sure there's a well, lot I more. To say. I think you're a teacher also, but yeah, there's a lot more. All right. Uh, thank you very yes. much. Really appreciate it. Yochanan Dunn on the Vin News podcast.